in three, two, one. Today on The Bear and the Ball, I am so excited to have a fantastic world-class athlete. But not only is she a world-class athlete, she is a world-class leader. We will delve into what it takes to be a great athlete, but also some of the qualities of being a fantastic leader. All this on The Bear and the Ball. It's coming up right now. I am Nick Webster, the Vice President of Adults on the Cal South Board of Directors. This is The Bear and the Ball, and today I'm very excited to interview a former colleague of mine, but one of my greatest friends on the entire planet, Francis Jones. Francis, how the devil are you? First of all, I feel so honored to be on this podcast with you. It's so great to see you in this element and uh, the fancy intro. But uh, thank you so much, Nick, for having me. I'm really excited just to sit down and chat and uh, kind of connect with folks that are on the other side and just uh, dive into, I guess, my story. Yeah, athletes and coaches. So let's let's just dive straight in and talk about the importance of coaches and how they can make and break athletes because, you know, you, you competed at such a high level and you also had some you know, very demanding coaches that got the best out of you but didn't break you. How did they do that? And what was the importance of them? I think one of um, the most important things about uh, that element is just that relationship with your coach. Um, In every level of my um, athletic experience, my coach always said that I wasn't talented, but I was the hardest worker. And I think that didn't break me. It just kind of, um, he was very transparent and I honored that. And so, you know, he kind of or they kind of made me believe that I am a hard worker and I still have to stay in track. But it's really interesting because coaches do have that power to make or break you. So your words matter, your influence matter, um, how they look at you and how they perceive you matter. So um, yeah, a coach's role is really uh, tough and it's interesting because you do have the power to make make or break an athlete. You know, both you and I, in our coaching careers, we we tend to move towards the triers. We love the triers. You know, it's great to have an athlete who has great talent and is a trier. But what, why is why is it that you're drawn to somebody who just busts their ass and, and maybe they're not the best, but they just they just push themselves to the absolute maximum of their ability? Well, there's a level of respect. You know, anybody, anybody who comes in and is willing to take the dive into the deep end, you know, and put themselves on the line and are, aren't afraid to, to work hard and bust their ass. I mean, I would take a hard worker over a talented athlete that is lazy any day, you know, because it sets the tone, you know, um, having scholar or athletes that are just grindy, gritty, and, and they don't really care about performance, they just care about hard work. Those are my favorite ones. Those are definitely my favorite ones. And, and I can say I was that one person. You know what I mean? Like I said, I was not talented, but I worked my ass off. So um, kudos to those out there as coaches, even as athletes that really see that. And I think uh, as a coach, when you're able to really um, notice that and make an athlete feel important just by them working hard, I mean, there's so much value in that. You bring up a great point, though, about talented athletes that are lazy. Let's look at this from this coaching point of view that we, we both, our lenses are fixated on. 
it's very frustrating as a coach when you do see someone who has great talent and you think to yourself, wow, why aren't you doing what you, you're capable of doing? What is the best approach for a coach who has a talented athlete who is lazy? You kind of have to be, you know, you, you set them down. You say, what do you want? Do you know, do you want just like that end factor? Because a lot of the talented athletes, that's what, that's what they're looking for, right? I'm talented, so I want that shiny ring. I want that title. I want that championship without really focusing on the journey that it takes to be there. So, so really, you got to ask them, what do you want? What do you want out of this? You know, and I think once you get that answer, then you can start building from there. But, you know, it's really interesting. And that's why the job of coaches, it's not just coaching the game. It's not a transactional job. It's very like a transformational job. So when you do have those um, athletes that are talented and they're and they're lazy, you've got to dig deeper. You know, you can't just scrape the surface and take their talent. You know, it's your job as a coach to break them down and really ask them, what is it that you want? What's important to you? You know, and if they do say all that shiny stuff, you break them down and say, hey, listen, there's so much more than that. So let's get to it. You know, you are definitely not using your full potential if that's your mindset, because if you have somebody who is talented and, you know, they work their ass off, those are those are the top players. Those are the top athletes. And there's very few of them, you know. I mean, I, I have a lot of coaches that listen to this podcast and and the question I'm, I'm often asked is, okay, so I have this talented athlete, they're lazy, but they're giving me the answers that I think that they think that I want to hear. Where Where do you navigate that when perhaps you know that the athlete it's maybe I think I think sometimes it's it's vulnerability, right? Maybe athletes are scared to really explore how far they can go, and and as the coach, how far are you willing to push? And and that's the thing, you know. Just hearing you say, uh, you know, athletes being vulnerable. Um, one of the things that I've learned recently, and I wish I kind of knew this earlier in my career, is like being vulnerable, there's a level of strength behind that. You know, there's a stigma about vulnerability. So again, if you're able to connect to, to that scholar or that athlete that is willing to, to get down and being and have transparency and authenticity and, and kind of share their weaknesses, right. You, You mentioned a lot of, a lot of these athletes, they want to kind of tell you what you want to hear. But again, it's like, what do you want to hear? You know, if you're scared, tell me you're scared, but don't, don't tell me that you're not scared, you know, or, or different elements that come into play that literally just gets them to, to dig deeper, you know? What's been your most vulnerable moment as an athlete? Oh my gosh. Um, what am I most vulnerable as an athlete, you know, it's so hard for me to say that because I don't think I was back then. You know what I mean? I, I, my, I think my, my career could have been totally different if I was vulnerable, you know? Um, I think one of, one of my setbacks was my mental game, you know, kind of just, um, holding myself back. And if I would have told my coach like, Hey, listen, I'm just, I feel like my mind is playing tricks on me. I feel like, you know, this is why I'm not performing if I would have stepped forward and I would have done that, I would have been on another level because then my coach would have just, you know, approached it differently, but I was just stubborn and I didn't want him to show my weakness and I didn't want to approach it and letting him know that, Hey, 
my my mindset it's not where it needs to be i'm kind of scared so so yeah that's it's really interesting I, I i really can't i can't remember what would be my most vulnerable part as an athlete why do you think you surrounded yourself in a bubble for, i mean obviously you're in this bubble for protection mm-hmm. what were you protecting yourself from Oh gosh, letting people down, you know, feeling like um, I had to prove myself. I mean, my story, my situation is so different because, you know, I definitely use sport and athleticism to to kind of help me navigate a lot of the, the the trials and tribulations that I had in my life. And so I wasn't I wasn't ready to unpack that. But if I was there, I kept myself you know, protected in this bubble. So um, I'm sure a lot of athletes have that experience where they carry a lot of baggage and they carry a lot of weight when it comes, when they step onto the pitch or on the field or on the court. And it's really interesting that uh, you are a different athlete if you were vulnerable, you know, if you just stepped in and say, this is what's happening, because then you're able to think more clearly, but, you know, you just have that level that you're in that bubble for protection because you don't want to expose yourself, right? So that's really interesting as well. Well, you, you bring up a great point about, not wanting to let your team down or as 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 an athlete sometimes it's an individual sport but you know soccer is is the uh, you know the ultimate team sport mm-hmm. that part of not wanting to let your team down that creates so much pressure and and is pressure a good thing or is it a bad thing oh it's tough you know because then you have that responsibility you start literally mounting just hearing you say that if I, as an athlete I'm feeling that weight mounting on, right? Because you don't want to let people down. As opposed to if you step on the field and you say, hey, listen, this is what's going to happen. It's either going to happen or it's not going to happen. But whatever the end game is, we're going to get through this or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So instead of just like stepping in, having to hold that cross and having hold that weight, it's challenging, you know? And and I think it takes a lot of maturity to, to understand that element of, hey, Whatever happens, happens, but it's just like learning how to deal with the pressure and expectations. And so I think uh, it's hard for a lot of young athletes to to deal with the pressure, you know, and it's easy to to say that now when you've come out of being an athlete and having that experience, you, you know, it's like I'm talking to my young self, but I didn't have that me- mental maturity to think of that then. So that's why as coaches, that's where our role is important, you know, part of our experience and understanding of pressure you know and what it puts on the game i think that's really interesting and we do have a responsibility to try to relay that um that message to the to the to the athletes so let me ask you this as a coach what does what does pressure on your athletes look like and what are some tools and tips you use to release that pressure so your athletes can go out there and as we all know when we perform with freedom it just it just opens up it opens up everything it opens up your mind it opens up your body it opens up your heart your soul and 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 gives you that i don't know it, it puts you on a different plane mm-hmm. so so you know as as coaches we're always looking to get that that little extra out of our athletes right and and what what are some of the tools and tips you use well, I think every coach um, uh, definitely has their, this in their back pocket, you know, play like there's no scoreboard. You know, I think that's definitely one of the things that we lean on, but it goes down to culture, you know, like as a coach, what is it important when you sit down day one, when you're with your team and, you know, uh, talk about that, you know, that win or 
the the actual transactional um, result. If, if as a coach, if you put pressure on that, that automatically puts pressure on the on the student on the athlete. You know, so if you go in there and you literally you're a supportive coach and you want your goal is not to win but literally to to help develop this scholar athlete. That's where the, the the stigma of the pressure or the the element of pressure starts to feel lighter before you even step into that role. You know, so if you're looking at a high an elite team, you know, clearly there are def, there are definitely some challenges because, you know, there there are things that we need to turn in, right? There are results, but if you focus on the root, if you focus on the depth of why we're here, what is it important to you? What is it? How is it important to work as a team? then the results will come, you know, but I think it really goes down to, to, to pressure and kind of like how that looks like on, in your, you know, on your team. I mean, but do you think, do you think though that's relatable to all the levels? So, you know, you're, you're currently, you're coaching high school, but you've, you've coached collegiately, you've coached professionally. The pressure obviously gets bigger. The, the, the more you move up the ladder, Mm -hmm. But the outcome of pressure is still the same, isn't it? Regardless of the level you play at. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, ultimately, yes, right. But again, I think it also boils down to the relationship that the athlete has with the coach. You know what that looks like, and how much weight that um, kind of has, as opposed to the weight of the pressure. You know, so um, I feel like relationships and connection is really important with the college. I mean, with the coaches and the athletes. So how how do you go about developing these special relationships? It's it's attuning, you know, really listening to them, you know, going back to to really seeing them as a person and not as an athlete. I think one of the biggest mistakes that coaches do is they look at them as, you know, a prizable pig instead of looking at them as a human being that has emotions, that have bad days, that have great days. And the moment that you're able to step into there, you are able to create this connection where all the other amazing things will come because you see them first as a human, not as an athlete. We're all humans, you know, and I think people tend to forget. And um, the most interesting thing is, you know, people need people. So it's important for people to see each other and to see what their true value and, and, and understanding is in regards to seeing them as a person, not as a dollar sign, as something that's materialistic, something that you can carry, something that's tangible, you know? So it, it really goes back to uh, kind of that, organic connection for sure so i'm hearing that you're saying coaches need they need humility they need to be humble because i i look at how players sometimes look at coaches and the coaches on the pedestal you know that they're the uh air quotes you know leader of the team and yet to really dive deep into this relational component the coach has to show vulnerability and in, 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 in the sporting world, it always seems to me that the coach has to be the strong one. You know, the, the, the coach is unbreakable, the coach is unfazed and, and then, and, and the coach isn't allowed to show emotion, to cry. Hmm. You know, I just recently heard this and it just, it totally just remind me of what you just said. In order to be to be a leader, you have to be human first. You know, in order for it, when a leader shows vulnerability, 
then that's when, you know, the other end, whether it's, you know, a team member, a colleague or an athlete, they look at you as a human being and they're like, oh my gosh, they do break down or they do, you know, uh, they are human. And so then I'm willing to step into that role more openly because I'm not stepping into that role with looking at, okay, this person is an authoritative figure, you know, like they are, they, they can't break down. They, you know, they're at the top, they have to be strong. But again, vulnerability is strength. And I say that over and over because I truly believe that, you know, and especially in a leadership position, I feel like I get more responses when I do put myself out there in a vulnerable state. Then that's when I gain more respect. So going back to the athlete coach, you know, a coach can still have that strong element and and have that you know just high respectable figure but there's there are definitely cracks and you have to be able to show them in order to get that full buy-in you know that 100 buy-in when people are they'll be willing to fight for you they'll be willing to just go to the total line for you because you are open you are showing your true self and that's challenging that takes a lot of work it takes a lot of maturity to do that I mean, I'm 41 years old and through my whole experience, I feel like I've just recently learned that. And so I wish I just knew that earlier in, in my, in my coaching career. Within the, the vulnerability environment, when your athletes, and sometimes, you know, look, not all athletes are created equal and, and some of them are a little bit more devious than others. When athletes use your vulnerability as an excuse to misbehave or not toe the party line or you know not be part of the team what's your response to that you got to call them out you got to call them in bring them in and break that down and and have them understand that you know if they are taking advantage advantage of vulnerability they have to understand the power of vulnerability right and so if they're using it to manipulate or if, if you know as coaches we have that set the sixth sense right we're able to to see things and feel things and and if an athlete is taking advantage of that he needs to understand that and he really needs to make that decision and and be responsible enough to say all right you know what you are right you know i am wrong and again being able to say that i mean that's strength too but i mean you are going to have that right because people are going to understand the power of vulnerability and there are all those cheeky people that are just going to take advantage of that and that's that's going to happen right so again being able to have that power to call them in and 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 make that into a positive experience well that brings bring me to my to one of my favorite things you're bringing an athlete in having an uncomfortable conversation mm-hmm. Is there a skill to having an uncomfortable conversation? Because I think both of us have, have, have been in situations where you thought to yourself, this isn't going the way I planned. This isn't going the way I thought it would go. How, how, how do you go about having potentially an uncomfortable conversation? Well, it's simple, but it's not, right? It's just, it's just that saying of being comfortable with being uncomfortable right? Stepping into that conversation, knowing that it's going to be uncomfortable, but feeling okay stepping into that, as opposed to stepping into that, uh, into that space with fear, right? Because then fear completely changes the dynamic of the conversation. So, you know, and that's what I always try to teach my, my scholar athletes is be okay with being, with feeling uncomfortable, but have like reassurance that when you get through that uncomfortableness, when you get to the other side, then you'll feel, then you'll feel like, okay, 
it wasn't that bad. And I feel like we got somewhere, but um, that's definitely a, a, a something that coaches should, you know, train their students to, to understand is, and this is not just for sports. This is in life. You know, this isn't any element in life. It's just be comfortable with being uncomfortable, you know, and I think that's really powerful. Well, so, say more about that. What, what is it, what is being uncomfortable? What does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? So it's interesting. So obviously, you know, I ran, I've coached and um, coaching cross country. It is a grueling sport. You know, it'll definitely put some hair, a hair in her chest or two. Um, it'll literally, it's very gritty. It's you on, you on the road and it's just hard. It's really hard. And they're going to, there's going to come a point where you're going to feel so uncomfortable and you are literally going to have to make that decision to retrieve yourself from being uncomfortable from that uncomfortable feeling, or you're just going to break through and then you're just going to perform. Right. So, I mean that when I, when I think about that, that's the one thing that comes to mind. And a lot of these folks that I coach, they have runners high after that breakthrough, you know, and they're just like, what happened? And they can't understand, you know, I'm sure there's like a, a chemical reaction in your brain because you're fighting and, and you have to, you know, remove I always tell my kids too, the moment that you elevate fear from the equation, you're a whole different athlete. So again, it's like being okay to push through, you know? Um, and I feel like that's, that's so that to fun. me though, that sounds like a physical discomfort. What about the mental discomfort? Because I think as, as coaches and, and, and athletes, we know, and we love to say, well, it's 10% physical. It's 90% mental. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I go back to, you know, um, there's different, a lot of conversations, especially in my leadership role, where it's going to feel uncomfortable, you know, whether you have to step in a, in a space and fire somebody or step in a space and, and bring them in because, you know, they're not necessarily making the mark. But um, if you walk in feeling like, okay, what's the, what's, what's my goal? What's my purpose going into this conversation? You know, like, what's the end goal? Am I thinking about, the individual, the process of this conversation, how is this individual going to walk out of this experience? So if you're, if you're, if you're scared or you're uncomfortable about, let's say the tone, the tone of the conversation, right? Learning how to kind of separate that mentally when you go into that space, that relieves some of the discomfort, right? Really having the tools to be able to process the uncomfortable conversation in a way where what's the worst that can happen and let, and we can we can kind of elevate to okay what if this person is going to come in here and they're going to throw something at me right it's kind of just and and I say this because I remember reading that in a book it's going in there and say okay let's say if a person does try to throw something at you it's just like again trying to mentally be prepared for the worst thing possible and not being afraid of it well one one of the the hardest things to do as a coach and both you and I have had to do this and leads to very uncomfortable feelings is telling a kid, no, no, you're not going to play. No, you can't do that. What's what's the hardest part of that for you? Well, definitely how that student is going to receive that. That's the most hard. That's the hardest part for me, right? Is um, how is that student going to react with, hey, you're not going to play. So as a coach, you really have to find every 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 athlete has a has a place on their team on a team, you know, and it looks different. So you know, you really just have to reinforce um, all of their 
their positive traits, everything that they bring to the table and try to really level them up and strengthen them before you give them that bad news. You know what I mean? But you have to keep it real though, you know, because you're not doing them a service if you know, you're kind of sugarcoating it. You, you still have to, you know, we, we spoke about authenticity and transparency earlier, but that's hard. That's definitely hard, you know, but it's how you deliver it. You know, it's not like walking into, you know, a team meeting with, excuse me, an individual meeting with a, with a player and saying, Hey, sorry, but you're not playing. Clearly that's not the right way to deliver it. It's kind of digging deeper and just, you know, trying to, you know, uh, uplift and, and trying to find a game plan that's going to be helpful for the, for the students. So when they do hear no, it won't be that bad. Culture is a very big word in sports these days. Who drives it, the coach or the team? I think definitely it takes, I think it takes both of those groups, the coach and, and the team to, to really believe in it, you know, and understand it, but it's definitely the coach's responsibility to, to, to set the platform, you know, for, for what culture means and what matters, you know, working at a high school, that's the one thing that, that we really, um, we focus on is culture, you know, because the, it's the culture that's going to help the, the team develop. It's the culture that's going to help the team mesh and thrive and, and be successful. And a lot of teams that don't have that culture, they struggle, you know, and, and there, there are moments where, you know, coaches can learn the, the importance of culture and really understand that and that really reeling it back and kind of go back to the drawing board and kind of fix things by looking at like, what's important, you know, what is important to, and it has to be organic. It can't just be, okay, I'm reading this book and this is what it means. You have to believe it, you know, because students do absorb your energy and your words and your words matter and what you, and what, and what you say and, and how you say it is really important. So you yourself as a coach, if you're going to preach that it, you have to live it, you know, and not just like, not just like on your team, but how you live your life in general. And I think that's really important, but culture, um, it is a key to success. If you don't have culture, you are not going to be successful. It's going to be really, it's going to be a, a, a long season if, if, you're, if you're not, if your focus isn't on culture. If, if you're right, but what happens if your idea of culture doesn't match what your team's idea of culture is? That's, that to me is where it seems like you could really have, you know, a, a clash of heads. Right. So as you're developing culture, you, you, you mentioned that it is organic and I completely agree with that. How much input do you take from your athletes in terms of what is, what the overall culture of the program is going to look like? You have to listen to them at first, right? If you step into a role and you have, you know, all the players on a team that have this misconception of what culture is, you can't completely disregard it and say, okay, we're going to start all over again. It's really taking the time to have those conversations with them. So, so tell me what, what culture is and what that looks like. Oh, okay. It looks like, uh, team bonding. Okay. So what does team bonding look like? Right. So really kind of just, um, digging Turn in, down. right. Yeah. You can't, the moment that you just say, Oh yeah, you know what? You're wrong. That's, that's not what it is. You're going to lose kind of the attention. You're going to, you're going to gain points. If you listen to them, you hear them. It's kind of like that. Yes. And, you know, like, yes, I hear you. And I can also introduce you to what culture really means. So, you know, uh, on both ends, I think uh, athletes and coaches were consistently learn. I mean, we're constantly learning and evolving. And I think, um, 
you know, teaching somebody something and, and really listening to what they feel is what their previous thought of what, let's say, culture is. I think that's important. But you can't just write them off. That's that's going to that's gonna really just cause friction, you know? How do you get back a team that you potentially may have lost? Is it possible? I wouldn't say it's impossible. It's definitely possible. It just takes a lot of work, right? And it also depends at what point of the season are we talking about, right? Um, have think, you ever lost a team? Have I ever lost a team? Yeah. I don't think so, you know? I don't think so because every time I've stepped into a team, it's what matters to me the most is literally culture, you know? how we treat others, how we listen to others, you know, how we work hard together, how we have respect for others. You know, there's that really um, organic understanding uh, because that, that's what matters to me. You know, I don't, I can give two shits about winning. You know, I just want the kids to do their best. And in order for them to do their best, I have to create an environment where they feel safe, where it feels open, where it feels like where there's unity and, and yeah, like I said, I've been coaching for 17 years and I'm kind of like, hey, everybody come on the bus. You're, I'm going to find a space for you and you're going to be able to, you know, find a new version of yourself because of the support and um, the love that we have on our team. You brought up a great word, safe. And I think in, in today's culture and society, you know, safety is so important to I think everybody's everybody, you know, coaches, players, parents, we all want to feel safe. How do you go about creating that safe environment where, you know, everybody feels welcome, everybody's voices can be heard uh, and, and, and everybody can express themselves. I think it goes back to the responsibility of being on a team, right? Being able to listen, you know, and being able to be respectful and, you know, if, cause you already know there are going to be some kids on the team that are going to be acting out. And so you have to make sure you have enough hammer and enough like nurture, right? There has to be a balance because if you're a friend and it's too nice and it's too cozy, that's not going to work. If you're too much of a hammer, kids are going to be afraid of you. They're not going to respect you. So there has to be a balance of both. Right. So that's one of the things that I've done as a coach is like, they're scared of me, but they love me. You know what I mean? But you have to have that. Otherwise it's just, you're going to lose them, you know? So that goes back to as a coach, like what's important to you? You know, it is, it's definitely important to me respect. Like I, I hate cussing on my team. That's just one thing that I hate. And I'm not going to be a complete, just, just be completely upset. I said, Hey, listen, Hey, can we not use those words? Hey, let's, 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 cause that matters to me. That's important to me. Right. And so the kids have a more awareness of, well, you know, of course they're going to slip or whatever, but at least they know, they know like what matters to me. And that's just one example. But um, again, it's just being able to have that, that, that hammer and nurturing factor is what's going to help create the culture of a team. Right. They're going to, there's some boundaries that you set. Right. Um, and, and, and that's really important too on a team is as a coach, you have to set boundaries. The moment that you don't set boundaries, they're going to be all over the place and that's going to be really hard to reel them in. So a coach's job is, is so hard. <laughs> it's so hard in so many different aspects, right? But again, when you love the game and, you're, and your uh, main goal is to transform these young men and women into just better people, the other, the other piece will come. Before I let you go, 
I want to know what do you think are the three major characteristics of a good coach? I think really being able to listen, you know, attuning. That is number one. You know, I, I learned this word attuning and it's not just listening, but it's reading the signs, you know, like just it's it goes something deeper than just listening. So as a coach, that is super important, right? Because there's so many times where we listening, but are we hearing them? And are we really do we have our fingers on the pulse? You know, because it's not just a voice, it's a feeling, right? So body language as well. So you know what I mean? So it's like that 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 is a skill that you have to have, you know. Um that's def- I would say that's definitely an element that a coach needs to have. And also vulnerability. You said it earlier. That is key. That is 100%. If I mess up as a coach, I have to step in and say like, hey, I messed up. I have to show my students that I am human. And I feel like, you know, the moment that they see that, they're going to be more receptive and, and uh, responsive to you as an individual. So I think that's super important. And then I mean, the respect level, that's a no brainer. You know, I have to make sure that scholar athletes have respect for me and I have respect for them. So, um, you know, those are maybe like my top three. I might change mine later, but those are the ones that come to mind. But I think those are really important, you know, because students or scholar athletes, they need to be heard. They need to be seen. They need to be respected. You know, those are all just key elements that's going to help them bring out the best version of themselves. So um, I feel like those are really important. Francis Jones, a fantastic leader. Um, we have coaches and parents who listen to this podcast. How could they get hold of you if they have some questions regarding this topic of leadership? Oh my gosh, I can't give my personal email. Oh, I can give. Uh, well, I guess I can give my personal. Are you email. on Twitter? Are you on Twitter, Franny? This is this is so funny. Instagram, Facebook. I don't have an Instagram. I don't have a Twitter. This is how you know I just. Bring it back old school. I have an AOL account. <laughs> the only Google, the only Google account that I have is uh, my school email, and that's just obviously I'm not going to give that out. But um, if they want to reach me, smtc800 at aol.com. You know, I feel okay giving that out. But um, yeah, I mean, if they have questions, I would love to just step in and and try to answer the, to the best of my ability. But um, I'm always willing to to step in and help folks. You know. Um, I do have experience. Um, I do have passion for it and I definitely feel like it's organic. So um, if I have a platform in any way, shape or form, I'm always willing to dive in. Francis Jones, world-class athlete, athletic director, mom, and an incredible leader. Thank you for joining the bear and the bull. I am Nick Webster. You can reach me on at Nick Webster and you can follow Cal South on Instagram at Cal South soccer or on Twitter at Cal South. And of course on Facebook, We'll be back next week with another episode of The Bear and the Ball. See you later.